Hey everybody, welcome to episode number 14 of the Galaxy CDs Rocks and Flips Reseller Talk Podcast. My name is Ryan, and as always, I will be your host. I'm happy to report, for those of you who tuned in to episode number 13, that the week has passed and nothing bad has happened to me. In fact, I actually had a, uh, a viewer on the YouTube channel that reached out to tell me that 13 was actually their lucky number. So there you go. Uh, it was actually a really good week here at the Galaxy, so we've got some stuff to cover. We'll have the normal weekly news update. Uh, there have been some really interesting happenings in the world of reselling this week. We will have both the week and the month end Galaxy CDs Rocks business report. Uh, hard to believe September is already here and gone, and so is the weather. It's like 40 degrees again this morning. Uh, we had our first frost advisory, I think, yesterday. So, uh, man, it's time is just flying. We're now into Q4, so everybody gearing up for that. Uh, looks like it should be a good one. Before we get into all of that goodness, I just wanted to reflect a little bit on the diversity in reselling. And there's a, a wide range, not just how you typically think about diversity, although we're going to start with that one. It's amazing to me when I look into the reselling community, there is the, the barrier to entry is obviously pretty low. If you've got a smartphone or a camera and a computer, a few dollars in your pocket and a bank account, you can start reselling. You got some junk around your house. You got some local garage sales. You can get in and it doesn't matter what your political affiliation is, what your race is, what your religion is. None of that matters. The only thing that really matters is your desire to be successful, your desire to learn, and your desire to hustle. And if you've got those three things and a few bucks and a camera or a smartphone, you're good to go and you can get into this. And when I look into the reselling community, I see that wonderful diversity everywhere. When I'm working on listings, I generally have got YouTube going or podcasts playing and the range of people and backgrounds that you see and listen to in that space is just remarkable. You've got people, college students, just trying to scrape by another 25 bucks a week to add to their ramen stash, all the way up to a guy like Gary Vaynerchuk, who's got more money than God, who does it just for the thrill of it. It's remarkable the different types of people and their success. And again, I did a, vi a video and a podcast on that a couple of weeks ago, how people can define their own success. And again, it can be anywhere from that college kid just trying to squeak out a few extra bucks to a family trying to pay for a vacation or pay for school to someone who wants to do it full time as a career to somebody like Gary Vee that's just doing it because he really, really enjoys it. And that diversity of experience and background is really fascinating for me, at least, to watch and to observe on YouTube and the various podcasts and whatnot. The second area that is really remarkable, and I really didn't think about it until I got into it, is the diversity in the ways you can make money, the merchandise that you can sell, the items that you can offer. There are people who are making fantastic livings selling just coins or automotive parts or appliance parts or clothes on Poshmark or the sky is the limit. Anything that you want to sell, anything that you have a passion for, there's a really good likelihood that there's a market for it, that there are other people out there who are passionate about that as well. And it's amazing to me 
to see that diversity within the marketplace. People that are making money on things that you never would have dreamed would be potentially profitable and doing really, really well. It doesn't have to be sports cards or, you know, whatever the hot thing of the moment is. There are people like myself selling old books that are, you know, doing quite well with that kind of stuff. So the diversity of merchandise, and sometimes you see it even within a store. You know, I've got a lot of stuff that is not in my primary category. And you see a lot of guys and gals that are out there selling whatever they can get their hands on. Their stores are totally diverse. There's no theme. There's no rhyme or reason to it other than it's things people might be interested in that can be profitable. The third area is the amazing diversity of platforms that we have. Obviously, you've got the 800-pound gorillas in the room of Amazon and eBay. And Amazon is an interesting story because when you think about it, Jeff Bezos was kind of one of the first resellers. He's a guy working whatever out of his garage selling books online at a time where nobody else was really doing that. And now they're literally the largest platform in the world for resellers. But you've got these wide-ranging platforms like those, plus you've got specialty platforms like Poshmark and so on. And the list just goes on and on, you know, Depop, Mercari, and on and on. The, the choice that you have of platforms that you can sell on, depending on the merchandise that you carry, is remarkable. I can't, there's probably no other time in history where that sort of opportunity has been laid out before people. You had, you know, the old general stores and that sort of thing way back in the day. But the reach that you have today because of the internet, because of these platforms, because of social media marketing is remarkable. You're no longer relying on a small community to support you. You literally have the world at your fingertips due to these platforms. And that diversity of selling opportunities is amazing. And to hear people complain about the various platforms, not really realizing and understanding the power and the leverage that they get because of those platforms is remarkable to me. I don't, <laughs> I just don't understand why people do it, but nonetheless, we won't get into that today. Uh, but that diversity of platforms there again, just like with the merchandise, there's something out there for everyone. Uh, even, you know, things like Discogs in music. If you really want to just specialize in music, there's a platform out there just for that. It's a, it's frankly, a remarkable time in that sense to be a reseller. The last thing is the diversity of income streams. You can sell, obviously, on any of these platforms, but you can also do things like start a blog, start a podcast, start a YouTube channel, you can do affiliate marketing. You can do sponsorships. There are people who sell courses. The, the amount of ways that you can make money within kind of the walls of the reselling world is absolutely remarkable. Most of us make the bulk of our income, obviously, through reselling. And that's the focus of our day-to-day -day business. But you see, there are resellers out there who started the same way, who are now making more money on their other income streams, particularly YouTube, than they are through their reselling. Um, Harry Tornado just did a video this week where he talked about how much money he made. I, th I think this was for the month of July. And his profit was better on his YouTube channel than it was from his reselling. The gross sales were awfully close between the two, but that's a remarkable thing to consider that he started out 
to make a living doing reselling. And now he's essentially doubled his income is what it amounted to through all of these secondary income streams. So the diversity of ways that you can make money is incredible. Those things are all super long, slow roll. Um, (laughs) Man, I can tell you, I've been doing YouTube and podcasts off and on now, basically since the start of the year. And total for all of that time, I've probably made less than $200 through direct sponsorship, affiliate marketing, and all of those streams put together. So that income stream takes a long, long time to build up. But if you don't get started, it never happens. So if you're thinking about it, I would tell you, just like I did with the the thought of reselling, there's no time like the present. Get off the fence, jump in, start your YouTube channel, start your podcast. You can do it with a phone and some software. You get on YouTube, you get on Anchor, whatever the case may be, and just get started. And you can, you know, I'm about to cash out my first $10 worth of earnings on Anchor. And it's taken me, I don't know, 60 (laughs) podcasts to earn that money. 10 bucks doesn't sound like a a lot of money, and it's not, but it's the first step to potentially making a decent amount of money on that platform. And that's all just extra money for something that, at least for me, I enjoy doing anyway. So the thread that kind of ties all this together is the passion and the discipline and the desire to go out and and take it. It's, It's up to you. All of these platforms, all of these income opportunities, all of this merchandise is out there ready for the taking. And the thing that separates us as resellers from those who are sitting on the fence and watching us on YouTube, for instance, is that we're going out and getting it. Your desire to get started, to learn your craft, to get better, to get smarter, to get faster at this, to become more efficient, and to make more money is the only thing that sets us apart from those that don't jump in. So I want to encourage you. To do that, I want to congratulate you on doing that. If you're already in the game and doing it, this is just, I can't believe I just crossed the one-year mark doing this full-time, and I can't. It Like I said uh, about a month ago in a podcast, it has exceeded my wildest expectations. I'm certainly not getting rich, but I really, truly enjoy doing this, and I'm making a living, and if you had told me 18 months ago, that this was even a possibility that people were doing it, I had no idea. <laughs> uh, so kudos to those of you who have been doing it for a long time. Encouragement for those of you who want to get started. Uh, it is a great time to do that. So jump in, get out of the, get off the fence and get going with it. So with that, we're going to take a quick sponsor break. Speaking of sponsors, I want to thank my two individual contributors, um, Alice Goes Nomad and my man, Timmy P. Thank you so much for your continued support. And now, if you're listening to the podcast, a quick break from my other sponsors, and we'll be right back. News updates. All right, so let's get into some reselling news. Uh, we're going to start on eBay. They posted on the 28th, so five days ago, six days ago, we are pausing late delivery protections as carrier performance improves. 
So they say, we are seeing consistent improvements in on-time shipments from USPS and all carriers and late deliveries have returned to pre-COVID-19 levels. Due to these improvements, we will pause our temporary seller protections for late deliveries starting on October 1st, 2020. It's a, it's, there's always a certain amount of irony in these things because for any global change in something like this, there's always the outlier, the exception to the rule. I've had more problems <laughs> with USPS in the last 10 days than I have had in the last year. Um, I've got two packages now that have gone. They've been marked dead mail sent to whatever it is, the recovery center. I have no idea what's going on with them. Um, it, it, I don't know what that even means. I mean, I, I looked it up. I know what it means, but I don't know how it happens. You've got you know USPS generated labels on this stuff, and yet somehow in Iowa, things are really getting held up for me. I don't know about the rest of you. I'd be curious if you're having ongoing issues, but this one frankly surprised me because my experience personally is just the opposite. While things were supposedly real bad, I was having no issues whatsoever. And now supposedly that things are getting better. All of a sudden my stuff is, I shouldn't say it's a mess. I got two packages out of hundreds that are a problem, but I hadn't had any problems really before. So Really unusual, but be aware that the seller protections that they had been offering for late deliveries have been paused. We'll see as we get deeper into Q4 and the package levels really start to increase if that continues. But for now, that extra protection is gone. Speaking of eBay, there's a headline in Barron's this week. Strong eBay online sales bode well for earnings, an analyst says. Uh, So it looks like the third quarter for eBay is going to come in very, very good, and that should spark their earnings, which should in turn improve their stock price for those of you who are into those sorts of things. For those of us who are in the resale game, obviously what that means is Q3 was really good. You should have all been making money. Um, I know I had a really good quarter. Heading into fourth quarter, uh, or as Orlando at uh, Pure Hustle Podcast says occasionally, Q5, because of the COVID stuff, has been the previous quarters have been amazing. Things should be really, really good. So eBay is doing well. I don't want to get political on this podcast, but if you watched the presidential debate this past week, there was a, a segment where President Trump said something to the effect of, to the Pride Boys, stand back and stand by. And it was met with quite a bit of controversy. And, of course, the Proud Boys immediately started putting out shirts and stickers and all the rest, as any good marketing organization would, uh, reflecting that statement. Amazon, eBay, and Teespring, at least so far, have blocked the sale of stand back and stand by merchandise. So... Uh, Online listings of the merchandise bearing this phrase are being pulled down. Amazon and eBay have blocked sales featuring that phrase, words adopted by right-wing extremist groups after the debate. Uh, Teespring then chimed in and did the same. So if you were planning on trying to capitalize on this, uh, your window of opportunity closed very, very quickly. I assume that those those groups will find places to sell their merchandise. They probably don't really need Amazon. Those who would want something like that will seek it out wherever it is. But uh, these these bigger outlets 
have decided that that's not something that they want to participate in and they have pulled those items down. So if you have anything like that listed and it's still up, uh, capitalize on it while you can because it's going to be coming down probably fairly soon. Amazon, speaking of, reported this week that they have more than 19,000 workers that have caught COVID-19. That is a huge, huge number. Uh, On Thursday, they released comprehensive data into the spread of the disease across its workforce. Company said it has counted 19,816 confirmed or presumed COVID-19 cases across its frontline employees. That is 1.44% of its workforce in both Amazon and Whole Foods. They did lump those together. Uh, Amazon workers have been complaining for months that their work environment was not safe, was not conducive to keeping them safe. So this probably shouldn't come as any big surprise, I guess, but that is still, that's a big number. That is from March 1st to September 19th that those cases were counted. Uh, The information comes months after labor groups, politicians, and regulators repeatedly pressed Amazon to disclose how many of its workers were infected. Early on in the pandemic, as I just mentioned, warehouse workers raised concerns that Amazon wasn't doing enough to protect them from getting sick and called for facilities with confirmed cases to be shut down. Um, I'm not sure why now Amazon has chosen to release this data, but um, they did. One caveat to that, it does not include any cases from its network of third-party delivery drivers, so like the Amazon Flex people are not included in this number, so the number may be quite a bit higher, but that uh, that is their report. It's a That's a big, big number. And lastly, in the news, Poshmark is planning an IPO. They have initiated the process of becoming a publicly traded company, filing a draft registration statement with the Security and Exchange Commission on Friday. A company has not yet determined the numbers of shares of Class A common stock to be offered or the proposed stock price range. Of course, the IPO is subject to uh, completion of the SEC's review process as well as market and conditions, market and other conditions, I should say. This will be interesting. Um, All of these companies obviously are trying to raise as much money as they can. But when you become a publicly traded company, it does change your outlook a little bit. You run your business to make your investors happy as opposed to maybe making your members or your clients happy. So this will be interesting. I don't sell on Poshmark, so I'm not that familiar with them. I don't know how they treat their sellers. But anytime you have a situation like this where you go from a privately held company to a potentially publicly held company, it can change how you run your business. So this will be very interesting to watch over the coming months. There's no timeline given for when this IPO may go through, uh, but that is their plan, an attempt to raise some money. So really interesting news from Poshmark. And now let's talk about my business. (laughs) Uh, we'll start with the monthly recap for September. It was a, it was a pretty solid month all in all. Um, actually in terms of sales, it ended up being my second best month ever. So I will definitely take that. 
Uh, we'll start with the month in listings. I mentioned last week that I thought there was an outside chance I could get to 900. I didn't quite get there. I finished the month with 845 new listings posted. Part of what slowed me down there was that I shifted a little bit of focus from CDs, which were pre-sorted, so they were pretty quick and easy to list, to the books, which have not been sorted. So there's a little more research going on there, and that has slowed the process a little bit. But still, 845 listings is nothing to sneeze at for the month. In terms of sales, September $6,056.94. Cost of goods sold for the month was two eighty five twenty seven, which left me with a gross profit percentage of 95.29%. Just, again, I know I say this every week. Any, that number just blows my mind. <laughs> uh, that sh- it should be almost impossible to make that kind of gross margin, but here we are. Uh, for money, it ended up being fifty-seven seventy-one and sixty-seven cents. Operating expenses for the month. This was a kind of a mishmash month. I spent part of the month on the old program, part of the month on the new program. The total numbers theoretically should come out essentially the same. The total operating expenses were twenty-four eighty-one and seventy-nine cents, leaving me with a net profit before taxes of 32.89 and 88 cents or 54.32%. A pretty solid month all in all. That would put me in the upper 30s annually if that number held true, which is not quite where I'm trying to get to, but when you factor in kind of the side jobs and kind of the other odds and ends I do, I'm real close to being at the number that I would like to be. So September was a really good month. For the week, This will be uh, overlapping September and October. So this is from September 27th to October 3rd, which was yesterday, Saturday. Uh, Listings, I did 200 listings total for the week. So right on, kind of right on track for where I'd like to be consistently, right around 200 listings a week. Sourcing, I'm still in the process of getting all of this stuff. So hat tip, I don't know if he watches or listens, My friend Dale on Facebook sent me a message on Thursday evening about a, it was a Facebook ad for some, some books. The guy said, got a bunch of books, dollar a piece, would like somebody to buy them in bulk. He had a few pictures up. It looked like older antique books and a lot of history books, which I generally do pretty well with. So I sent the guy a message and I said, how many do you think you have? What would you take for them? We went back and forth. His initial thing was, I got 20 boxes. It's probably 2,000 books. I would take $500. And I said, if you've got 20 boxes, you don't have anywhere near 2,000 books because I I buy bulk books and I know about what should fit in a box. And that's probably more like 800 or 1,000. He said, let me count them in the morning and I'll get back to you. Friday morning, he sends me a message. He says, I think it's about 1,400 books. I'll do $400 and that's firm. I agreed based on what I saw from the pictures of the books. I was like, you know, I think this is still probably a pretty good score. So I said, I'll take them. That's fine. He agreed actually to box them up for me, which is, oh, thank God. (laughs) That is a huge, huge help. Um, He has a big warehouse. He does kind of buys out, I guess, old estates. Normally he doesn't mess with books. Somehow he ended up with these books and he wanted to get rid of them. 
he agreed to box him up and I was like, thank you. <laughs> so I get down there for the first batch and there's already like 50 boxes of books. And he says, I may have undercounted. <laughs> so through yesterday, I have already brought home about 1800 books and there are still more to pick up. I've made three trips now already to Cincinnati to pick up books. There are more yet to get, I think, all in. This is probably going to be somewhere between 2,500 and 3,000 books. I assume he's going to hit me up for some more money because he's mentioned twice now that he was off on his count. Given the fact that, A, there's way more books than he led me to believe and that they've gone to the time and trouble to box them up, I'm, I will probably agree to give him some additional money for these. Um, I think it's probably worthwhile to do. If I can get away with $400, which is what we agreed on, this will be an outstanding score because that'll put the price of these down around 15 cents a piece. Just to give you an idea, on Friday night after the first batch I brought home, I listed 14 books. I didn't even get through the first box. I listed 14 books and the listed price on those 14 books was nearly $350. <laughs> uh, so this is a, it's an absolutely amazing lot. So Dale, once again, thank you so much for the uh, tip off on that. And uh, you'll continue to hear about that in upcoming podcasts and videos. So that's the sourcing for the week. I'm probably done for the year. Um, I've lost my dining room now <laughs> to books. I've got about 60 book boxes right now of books in my dining room that need to be sorted. So thank God I'm single and it's me and Josie the cat. <laughs> uh, for the week, sales, big week, big week, $1,700.32, which I realize again, compared to some resellers, $1,700 is, you know, peanuts. But for me, that's a big week. Obviously, that was significantly helped if you caught the video or the podcast on Wednesday by the one CD that sold for $350. So essentially, this was a normal week. It was about $1,350. You throw that extra one in the mix and it ends up at $1,700. Very, very nice. Cost of goods sold for the week, $79.63, which put my gross profit at 9532 even with that $350 CD that I owned for 3.7 cents, I didn't hit the 96% mark because I sold probably 10 wholesale lots of CDs, which are just barely over breaking even. Um, so that dragged down that gross margin percentage from 96 to 95. Uh, I know, right? <laughs> First world problems. Uh, so the gross profit was 16.20 and 69 cents. Operating expenses for the week were a little high, seven eighty five and sixteen cents. The reason for that is I ordered a metric crapload of shipping supplies for fourth quarter. I spent uh, about two hundred dollars on shipping supplies. I got about another seventy dollars of boxes that I'm doing a local pickup on. So a lot of uh, this stuff will last me at least a quarter, maybe a little longer, but because I had such a good week and I had some extra cash flow, I decided to go ahead and take the plunge. I got the eBay store uh, shipping supply coupon, so I used that as well. So I actually ordered more supplies than this, but 50 bucks of it was free. So my operating ex expenses were a little higher than normal for the week because of that. Even with that being said, net profit for the week was 835.53. So that's my 
kind of my take home pay if I don't reinvest any of that in the business, 49.14%. So even again, with that big expenditure on supplies, I almost made my 50% target. So a really, really outstanding week coming off of a really outstanding month. Now we're heading in the fourth quarter. I've got a ton of really good inventory that I've picked up. I think I am well positioned to get through not only Q4, but to get through the winter with without having to worry about doing a lot of sourcing. It's funny because I was actually out in the garage earlier this week looking at the dwindling pile of books. I'm like, man, I really need one more big score. And boom, the next day I got it. So outstanding. I couldn't be happier with how things are going. I hope things are going equally well for you and that you have a another great week. Feel free to leave me a comment, any thoughts, suggestions, input on anything we've talked about today. And with that, we're going to close it up. Thank you so much for coming by. You have been listening to the Galaxy CDs Rocks and Flips Reseller Talk podcast, and we will catch you next week. Thanks, guys.